And welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Well, we're kind of all over the place this week on Out of Left Field. I'm in Hoover at the SEC tournament. Charlie is back in the studios in Starkville. And so we're kind of going back and forth right now. And, Charlie, this is the first time we've ever done, ever done a show where we haven't been in the same place at one time. This may be a good thing. You don't have to look at me. <laughs> well, I was trying to think about that. I guess we have done a Sunday coffee episode, a Sunday morning kind of look back on a series after Texas A&M from a different place. But this is kind of new territory for us here on Adelaide Field. Yeah, it really is. And, of course, we're brought to you by Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. If you're in the market for insurance, if you're looking for insurance or you have insurance with another carrier and say, hey, I just want to slip over here and see what they've got to offer, let me tell you this. They've got great customer service at Farm Bureau. So go with the home team. Check them out, favorites.com. They have agents in every county. And so you know these guys. You know these people that you – live with and see every day in your community so check them out at favorites.com for the best customer service of any insurance provider i'm bart gregory he's charlie winfield so charlie looking back at last weekend state playing against alabama we talked about how we needed a sweep we talked about it a little bit on sunday coffee we kind of did what we needed to do and you hate to really you know, take anything away from your approach and what you're wanting to do with the SEC tournament in Hoover. But at the end of the day, we went back and we did kind of what we had to do over in Tuscaloosa. Whether it's basketball or baseball, it's always nice going into a tournament, knowing that what you're talking about is the difference maybe in being a one seed or a two to say basketball, a three or a four. Uh, Whereas what we're talking about, I think at this point, is what level of national seed we are, meaning whether we're a three, whether we're a six, a seven, uh, depending on how you come out of the week. But at least you're talking about within some pretty elite company already. That doesn't mean you want to go to Birmingham and play bad, but I do, I do think it affects the way you have to pitch it. You go back and you look at some of these teams and you say, why on earth are teams throwing their best pitcher 90-plus pitches on a Tuesday at the SEC tournament, well, the answer is because it still really matters to them in terms of how the postseason shapes up. So I'd say we did what we did, not an excuse to go to Hoover and lay an egg, but at least you've kind of put yourself in a position where Hoover shouldn't hurt you. Talk about laying an egg, and that's what we did yesterday morning. I mean, we came out of the gate. Brandon Smith threw the start. His first start since the season opener, home opener against Jackson State. So it's been a long time between starts for Brandon Smith. He draws the start. We used five different pitchers in the game. Really didn't look good in any facet of the game. So let me ask you this. What do you think you're coming out with positivity on the weekend is this a type of game that we saw yesterday that could hamper you even going into next week? I would like to think not. I think it is a time, though, where you need your coaching staff and the leadership in the locker room to kind of get hold of everybody and say, look, man, there's a difference in coming over here uh, without feeling like we've got to burn our best pitchers on a Wednesday and then the rest of us going out and laying an egg. Because on the one hand, you can say, look, we weren't giving it our best. We were starting Brandon Smith, a guy who hasn't started in a long time. We were pitching some guys who hadn't pitched that much. 
it's no excuse for only getting four hits. And I think it's got to be a real tough discussion in the hitter's room of, look, guys, it's time to be timing things up. It's time to be getting ready to go. And we aren't polishing right now. If anything, we went backwards. And so uh, my guess is it's, you know, kind of time for some of those guys to have some pretty tough conversations about the approach they're taking because whatever the decision's on the mound, that's no excuse for uh, failing to field ground balls. And you're listening to Out of Left Field. Bart Gregory here in Hoover. Charlie Winfield back in the studios in Startwell. Charlie, one of those guys you talked about that can kind of set the tone from a leadership standpoint is Tanner Allen. And earlier this week, he was proclaimed and gets the opportunity of hoisting that trophy of being the player of the year in the SEC. Just from a historical standpoint, we've kind of understood of what we've been watching all season long. But looking and seeing what he has accomplished here in this season, it's really remarkable. It's phenomenal, particularly, too, when you look around the league, what's happening. Batting averages overall are going down. He's having an all-time great year. Not the highest ever, but he's certainly in that conversation, you know, right among the better seasons that we've had, even against tougher pitching, even in the year when other hitters are taking a step backwards. Look, who knows how it ends? Who knows where this season comes to a close? But I've got a really good feeling that it's going to come to a close uh, with Tanner Allen scratching and clawing and running things out and really, I think, etching his name in the list of Bulldog greats. So on the show this week, we've got a couple good ones for you. James Spann is going to join us on the other side of the break. He's the chief meteorologist for ABC 3340 in Birmingham. It's almost like a cult hero in the South. And, Charlie, I was talking to Ron Polk earlier, and he was like, hey, have you ever had James Spann on, on, the, uh, on the show before? Because he's a huge baseball fan. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to James Spann because every time I come to Jen's parents' house and, and over here in Birmingham, I mean, like I said, he's a cult hero in the state of Alabama. And, by the way, He's a graduate of Mississippi State. It's interesting. You go, look, he's all over Twitter. you got people always, every time they take a good weather shot, they're tweeting it over to, to at Span. And he is uh, he's a baseball guy. He's a baseball fan. He's a Mississippi State guy. And, and the other thing about it, you talk about a guy who, we talk about big moments in sports. He's had some big moments just in life. A guy who has worked really hard to improve weather awareness. He's seen a lot of tragedies take place. You know, when we have a bad day at the office broadcasting, we lose baseball games to Missouri. When he has a bad day, dozens of people can pass away. And you see a guy who is not because of him, but on his watch. And it's been really interesting to see how much of his life he has devoted just to trying to make people safe and to help save lives. I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. No doubt. And then right after that, we'll talk to Ron Polk. And I'm going to sit down with, with Coach Polk over here and try to get his thoughts and observations. We're in the uh, convention center just outside the, the conference center, right outside the, the Hoover Med. He's standing over here waiting his turn after we talk to James Spann. So we're going to try to hook it all up. I'm going to be here in Hoover. James Spann is going to be at the studios in downtown Birmingham. And, Charlie, I hope this works. We're going to try to get you involved as well over in the studios in Starkville. So we'll have a, a big round table with James Spann coming up next and then later on I'll talk to Ron Polk. I want to talk to him about pitching and defense and just how to get a team ready 
for a conference tournament and get ready for the NCAA play. And so, hey, it's tournament time. That second season is here. I'm live at the SEC tournament in Hoover, and you're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Mark Gregory, Charlie Winfield. I'm here at the SEC Tournament. Charlie's back in Startwell at our Southeastern Sports Group studios. And it's time now for our guest line segment, brought to you each week by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish anywhere. You can pick it up at your local grocer if you're looking to have a fish fry. I had one last week. Man, cornbread meal, just dipped them in that hot oil, and they were fantastic. Fantastic. They're great. And and another place you can also get the Heartland Catfish is a great restaurant throughout the southeast. And today we feature one of my new favorite places to eat in the state of Mississippi. It's the gathering at Livingston Mercantile down in Florida, Mississippi. I was introduced to this by some friends a couple weeks ago and actually went down there a couple weekends ago on a Friday night. Man, I love that place. They have so many good things on the menu. Smoked brisket. They got grilled lamb rag, filet. But i tell you what I got. I got the catfish. Cornmeal dusted, the seafood plate. It's great, and it comes straight from the ponds of Heartland Catfish. It's good stuff, so check them out. The Gathering and Livingston Mercantile on Livingston Church Road down in Florida, Mississippi. They do it right down there, and they do the catfish right. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish and the Gathering at Livingston Mercantile. Well, let's go to the phone where, with ABC 3340 meteorologist James Spann joins us. And, hey, appreciate you spending some time. I know uh, it, it's, hey, the springtime of year. It's a lot of thunderstorms, a lot of tornadoes and everything going on. And we appreciate you taking a little bit of, of your time to talk with us. Bart, it's an honor to speak with you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I was talking to Ron Polk the other day. And we were talking about the weather. We were talking about, well, it's 30% chance of this, and it's a 20% chance of that. And he said, you know, have you ever talked to James Spann on your show? And I was like, you know what? I really haven't. And so he said, hey, he's a big baseball guy. Of course, Ron Polk was over here at UAB for a few years. Of course, a longtime head coach at Mississippi State. It just seems like all baseball coaches are amateur meteorologists. Oh, man. Let me tell you what. Ron is the Bear Bryant of college baseball. I- I will never forget, I was uh, with our youngest son who played baseball. He was probably, I don't know, 10th grade or 11th grade. He was in high school, and we went out to a UAB camp, and there was Ron Polk. Man, that was like seeing Elvis. I couldn't believe it. I said, <laughs> wow. And he was so kind, and you had that cigar going. And, you, you know, Coach Polk, I mean, he, he, he is who he is. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, every baseball coach, I don't care if you coach 10-year-olds, I don't care if you coach the Boston Red Sox, you have to be a weather nerd, a dweeb, a dork, because it so much affects uh, practice, it affects the game, it affects a lot of times how you prepare. So, yeah, weather's a big deal with baseball, and I I love baseball. I'm more of a baseball guy than a football guy, so I I love it. Well, one of the things that's interesting, I think Alabama and the state of Alabama claims you as their weatherman, but Mississippi State claims you as a meteorology graduate. Let me tell you what, Mississippi State gave me my career. Um, I, I, the deal is, I, I just loved weather when I was a child, loved it. And, and I never thought you could really do it for a living. I, I was never told it was a viable career option by any guidance counselor 
when I was in high school. So my first major in college was electrical engineering. And, uh, and that would have worked out okay. But uh, I, I, to work my way through college and high school, I worked at a little bitty radio station and playing rock and roll music, which was a great job and a, a great way to work your way through school. But uh, in the decade of the 1970s, the weather was just wild. I mean, wild, constant, violent tornado and severe weather events. And, uh, you know, I didn't know a lot about it, but I loved weather. And so I did a lot of that on the radio. And the local little TV station gave me a chance to do weather. And I said, you're going to pay me to do weather? And they said, yeah, we'll pay you a buck 80 an hour. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would pay them a buck 80 an hour to do that. And that started this journey back in 1978. But I had to change majors and I had to change colleges. And that was about the time that Mississippi State started offering geoscience. And uh, what what they did for me, I, I will never, ever forget that. It, it was the perfect timing. And uh, I will always be true to Mississippi State and always be a, I'll always ring that bell, baby. Uh, I go back to Starkville a lot. And, uh, and of course, not in the last year, but during normal times, I'm on campus a good bit. I speak a lot and do a lot of functions over there and just absolutely love it. Talking to James Spann, head meteorologist for ABC 3340 here in Birmingham. When, when you talk to young, aspiring meteorologists, when you start talking about the science of weather and then you talk about the communication, what's the percentage? What's to you more important? Is it the ability to, to communicate with your audience or is it to make sure – you daggum get it right. You have you have to be a scientist. You have to know the science. If you want to do what I do for a living, you have to major in meteorology, geosciences, atmospheric science. You can learn the communication part of it, which is what I've done. I've never taken a single class of being some TV man or radio guy. I, I just try and watch people that are good and learn from them. But the first and most important thing is understanding the science. If you can't forecast the weather, if you can't work a tornado outbreak, a major hurricane landfall, uh, you just don't need to be doing this. And where we are down here in the deep south, weather is really serious sometimes. Uh, not every day, but every once in a while, you're going to have tornadoes that are flying. You're going to have a major hurricane that's coming up on the Gulf Coast. You're going to have a severe flash flood situation. You're going to have a, an ice storm down here in the deep south. All of these things can happen. And, you know, lives are on the line if you don't perform at a very high level. So we, whenever we're looking for somebody that uh, wants to do weather, they have to have a degree in uh, meteorology or atmospheric science. They, they can learn the communication part on their own. It's been really interesting over the past 10 or 15 years, more and more social media, television shows and things like that devoted to storm chasing. And I think back to sometimes baseball coaches have told me the problem is everybody in the stands thinks they know how to coach baseball. I sometimes feel like meteorologists must sit around and say, it feels like everybody with a four wheel drive thinks they can be a storm spotter. Are there too many people? Have we sensationalized weather and, and made it too accessible to too many people getting out and getting in the way and doing more harm than good? Or is the storm chasing thing not a bad issue? Well, storm chasers are great if they know what they're doing, if they're trained. Uh, a lot of people do it. They don't have a degree in meteorology. They're not professionals, but yet they have attended years and years of spotter training. They put safety first. They understand storm structure. They're excellent with severe local convective storms. Those are the ones we want out in the field. And quite frankly, most of them are. But yeah, you get a couple of rogue people that go out there and they think they're going to shoot a YouTube video and get a million views and 
you know, make thousands of dollars. Those are the ones that are going to get wind up getting killed. And we've had that. We, we have reason to believe that we had people that died April 27, 2011, trying to shoot YouTube videos. And it's just not worth it. People that don't have any training have absolutely no business being out in that. And again, we can't stop it. It's just human responsibility. But that doesn't help us. It's harmful. But for most of those that do that, they're very helpful because we've learned in the television business that people will react if they see a live video stream of a tornado. They, they don't do much of anything if we show radar. And sometimes we have to because down here in the deep south, most of our tornadoes are rain wrapped. Many of them are hidden by trees. Many of them happen at night and you just can't see them. But if we can get a camera on those things, people react a lot better. And sometimes those volunteer chasers and spotters can do that for us. Uh, and that makes a huge difference. So th th there's much more benefit to what they do than harm. Going back to Coach Ron Polk, you know, he's a guy that does not embrace technology at all. And I've tried to get him to get an iPhone. His office is right next door to mine, and he will not do it. And you start talking about data analytics in baseball, launch angle, so many different things that we look at, RPMs with pitchers and whatnot. Thinking back to your time in the meteorology world, how has data changed from when you started to where it is now? Let me say this about Coach Polk. That, that book he wrote, that's the Bible of baseball. Goodness, I know you guys, I know you guys have read that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I love baseball and, and, and reading. That, I read, I've got it in my office here, as a matter of fact. I'm just a big fan of Coach Polk, and you, you make me smile when you, when you mention his name. And I love state baseball. One of my closest friends is a guy named Mitch Moreland, who you guys probably know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Loves to um, hunt and fish. Oh, he does. In fact, I told him when you retire, me and you are gonna go do a hunting and fishing show. Uh, he, he's out. He's out in Oakland right now, but he lives here in Birmingham in the off season, and he trains at the same facility where I go work out every day. Uh, you know, in the off season, so we we become close. And I, when he was in Boston, we'd go see him every year, and we're gonna try and go see him in Oakland this year. But but back to your original question about you know technology, it's changed everything, um, and, and we use it extensively. Uh, on the forecasting and analysis side, goodness, we have dual polarization radar. We didn't have seven years ago. We can see debris being lofted on radar, which is an absolute confirmation. There's a tornado down. You can call a tornado emergency based on a product called correlation coefficient. We didn't have that, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, you look at the computer models we use to forecast placement of severe weather risks. Goodness, the they are so stinking good. And, yeah, they can be bad from time to time. Everybody's going to lose a game. You're going to blow a forecast. A model output could be bad. But to me, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, and then the ability to, to show graphically on television, you know, what's happening, that's amazing. And then we can reach people we've never reached before. We go way past traditional radio and television. And, you know, the radio stations are great. They simulcast what we do, and they're a godsend because that gets us in cars. But on the television side, people watch, yeah, but most people are now looking at it on their phone, and they can see it on all these different platforms, the social platforms, and, and that's a great help for us as well. Uh, and people can push video and content to us, and we can use that, pictures and video of flooding, of tornadoes, of a hurricane landfall. So it, it, technology can, can make it a burden to some degree, but it, it's a... It's a great, great, great improvement from when I started doing this back in the late 70s. Guys, I, I was writing uh, on plexiglass with a magic marker. I had to clean it off every night when I finished, you know, with, with some kind of cleaner. So we, we've come a long way. It's interesting. We talk about kind of these milestones in baseball. Guy that gets 2,000 hits, 3,000 hits. 
I noticed that you've got a podcast, Weather Brains, and you just went over 800. I feel like that's a milestone that uh, you had to take some pride in also. We started doing that 15 years ago under the assumption nobody would ever listen because nobody even knew what a podcast was 15 years ago. But we needed a creative outlet. Everything we do is very structured. Like when I go on television here at the top of the hour, I'll be on there for you know two minutes and 15 seconds. And the next hit's going to be three minutes. The next hit's going to be 60 seconds. Man, everybody needs a creative outlet where you can express yourself, I think. And, and that little show gave us that opportunity in 06. And it's kind of expanded from 30 minutes to some some weeks will go three hours. But, you know, th- and that's for weather weenies. You know, it's, it's not designed for Joe Q public. It's designed for people that really love weather. So that's been a, a great uh, expression. And somebody asked me how many weather casts I've done. I need to calculate that deal at some point. I, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I started doing this in 1978, which means I'm old as dirt, but um, I, I've done a bunch of those things. And so this is, uh, what, 43 years of this. And I, I, what's amazing, I feel better now than I felt when I was 30. I'm, people say, when are you going to retire? Never. I mean, I feel good. Uh, so as long as the Lord lets me uh, you know, keep, keep on chugging, we've got work to do, guys. Uh, you know, my, my passion, it's mitigating loss of life when there are tornadoes flying in the southern states. Uh, what happened 10 years ago changed everything. April 27, 2011, in my state of Alabama, 252 people died in one day. That's absolutely inexcusable for anybody in the weather enterprise, the public. And we learned that day that maybe we're just not as good as we think we are. And the warnings were excellent. We had 62 tornadoes in one day, and all these people died. You, you tell me one day that would happen on my watch, I'd say you're crazy as a lunatic. And we, we learned that day that what we do is not enough. So we've tried to blend in social science, people that understand human behavior to help us. And they've really helped us out over the last 10 years. But we've still got a lot of work to do in the warning process. Talking to James Spann, meteorologist with ABC 3340 here in Birmingham, Mississippi State graduate. And here's the thing. When I'm, when I'm broadcasting the ball game and Charlie's broadcasting the ball game, it's almost like you know, you're on a stage – and you're talking about a game, and you're in the professional sense. But when something happens or the possibility of something hap- happening on a personal level, I think about it, I have a 10-year-old son. What if a foul ball hits my 10-year-old son while I'm in the middle of doing a broadcast? How tough is it for you? And I, and I know that a tornado came close to your personal home recently. How tough is it to go from the professional side to the personal side because you're on stage? Well, it, it's it's a challenge. Uh, what what happened here on March 25th? My home was hit by an EF3 tornado. This then the small one. This is a pretty big one, and uh, it happened, of course, when I was on the air. We do hours and hours of long form coverage. And, uh, I you know I texted my wife, and I knew that she was in our safe place. We have a, a tornado shelter that's good for an EF5, and as long as she's in that thing, that's all that matters. And I knew she was in the shelter, so I knew that she was okay. But we're all human, and, and you don't know. Do you have a roof on your house? Do you have a house at all? Uh, is the second floor there? Or what, what's still standing? And that was the distraction of a lifetime. And, you know, you guys know how it is when, when you're, you know, on the radio or television. People don't know, People think any idiot can get up here and yak away and do a baseball game or do severe weather. It's hard. I mean, I, I'm trying to process all these National Weather Service chat sessions live streams from our people in the field and from all the chasers in the field. I've got social media feeds. I'm looking at Instagram and, you know, Facebook and the Twitter and, and TikTok, all these things. 
And I, I have to look at all of that to see if there's any important video or images coming out of there. And I've got to be coherent. And you throw in your house being hit by a tornado in the middle of all that. My, my little pea-picking brain can only do so much, but you just have to keep on keeping on. You've got to stay coherent. You've got to stay calm. And uh, by the grace of God, the roof stayed on the house. We had a lot of damage, and they're still working on it. But uh, the house was intact, and my wife's fine. And so we're very blessed. A lot of people were not as blessed and as fortunate as we were. Five people died that day. So that was a really, really rough day. But you guys know how it is. You've got to stay focused. You've got to stay focused. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Hey, proud to call you a Mississippi State graduate. Yeah, I, let me tell you what. I, I brag on Mississippi State baseball all the time. That The facility – the quality of the program, it's there's got to be no place like it in the, in the whole country. So thanks for what you guys do to help promote the uh, baseball program and the athletic program. And let's go get them, man. Hail State, come on. James Spann, head meteorologist at ABC 3340 here in Birmingham. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody in Jen's family was stoked about me talking to James Spann. They thought it was the coolest thing we'd ever done. Man, they love him in the state of Alabama. So, hey, good conversation. Mississippi State graduate, Mississippi State guy. And that conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland Catfish can get that great catfish at the gathering in Livingston Mercantile down in Flora. Man, just a great great restaurant in Madison County down in Florida. So Charlie and I will come back. I'll talk to Coach Ron Polk. We'll sit in and we'll talk about getting teams ready for postseason play. We'll have all of that right after this. You're listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. And it's time for our guest line segment brought to you each week by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right in the heart of Mississippi on Highway 49 down in Florence. They've got the original, the jalapeno cheddar, pineapple pork, tremendous sausage made right here in the state of Mississippi. Then a country meat packers, country pleasing sausage. And joining us now, the former head coach at Mississippi State, the former head coach at the University of Georgia. And now he's back as a special assistant to the athletic director at Mississippi State. Ron Polk joins us, and uh, Coach, live from the SEC tournament, just kind of looking back at at your time and coaching in tournament ball, how does everything change when you get to this time of year? You're normally set with your rotations, but now all of a sudden you get to tournament play. We saw it yesterday with Florida having Barco going, a left-hander, number two guy in the rotation. We throw Brandon Smith. That's his first start since the Jackson State game early in the year. It's really not apples and apples, especially early in tournament play. Well, everything changes. I mean, every tournament's different because you don't know where you are with seating. You don't know where you are with potential host site, et cetera. And, and uh, so you kind of, you know, the SEC, especially the commissioners I've worked with in the past, Bart, always thought that this was the ultimate tournament. And we try to convince them with probably no success whatsoever that the next one is more important because that gets you to the super regionals or in my case, uh, we didn't have that many super regionals. We went right to Omaha. And uh, so basically, you know, pretty much when you get to the the, uh, SEC tournament with, and it's been a lot of different places. Thankfully it's been in Hoover for many years, you know where you, you stand, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes you know where you stand and it doesn't look good. So you've got to win at least one, maybe two, maybe three games that be the case, you're going with your ace, one, two, and three, because 
you're just fighting for your life. But in this particular case with uh, Mississippi State, and Brandon's really pitched well for us in the, in the past. He was He's a strike thrower, and unfortunately, uh, uh, Florida was uh, was hitting his strikes <laughs> all over the ballpark. <laughs> they were hunting strikes. Yeah, contagious hitting. And, and sometimes the Brandon Smith needs to understand, I'm sure he does uh, now, and he's he's been around the block, that you know, you got to nibble sometimes if you just can't keep pounding the strike zone against a good hitting ball club like Florida has. It's a young ball club, but very, very aggressive at the plate. And, and contagious hitting, I believe, in it big time. One guy goes up and gets a oh, solid line drive. The next guy on deck sees that happen said, hey, that's good. But let's say the guy in front of him swings at a bad pitch 0-2 in the dirt and has negative thoughts in the on-deck guy, and he goes up to the plate thinking, boy, that guy just manhandled my teammate, and all of a sudden you're out too. So, But basically the mindset of a coaching staff is, is if you're already set, which we are, I think to host, but still we're, you know, we need to fight to, for a high seed, and that's could hurt us if we if we don't play well over here. Talking with Coach Ron Polk and Coach, looking at the SEC tournament in general, this tournament has been in Hoover since 1997, and it's really evolved. It's amazing how the SEC tournament has evolved. You had the SEC tournaments you had that, that were played on campus sites, and you had the Eastern Division tournaments, the Western Division tournaments. And I think back to some of the great memories of SEC tournament play, and the first time that Hoover hosted it was in 1990. And I think of John Harden coming in. It was almost like he was used day in and day out. Is there a guy in college baseball like John Harden? Is, is there a place for a guy like that anymore in college baseball? There's a place if he gets through the the walk-on tryouts. <laughs> and uh, John was a walk-on from Starkville, <laughs> and uh, bless his heart, he threw about 82, 83, but had 45 different change-ups. And, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he could probably dominate a good hitting ball club because he pitches on the hitting speed. But uh, John was an All-American for us, just a local walk-on, and we had patience with him. And, and uh, But, yeah, in this day and age with the radar guns and 93, 94s, you know, cut fast balls and sliders and, and good change-ups where most of these pitches develop, uh, you know, John probably could pitch for sure, no question about it, uh, in this tournament. But would he ever have the opportunity to get to that level? Do you like the tournament being in Hoover? Do you like it to, yeah. to be in one spot? It seems like they, they, they own it. And to me, there's one thing about hosting a tournament, whether it be a golf tournament, whether it be any kind of tournament, is you kind of figure out the nuances and what you did right, what you did wrong, and kind of figure it all out. And they do a great job over here. But there are some people around who said, hey, let's move it around the SEC. But are you the thought process of keeping it in Hoover? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's where our conference office is in downtown Birmingham. And, yeah, they, uh, you know, first year, I'm sure they had some things go on that they needed to fix. I mean, escorts to the – to the ballpark by, you know, motorcycles and sirens going off and all that and all the little things, the way they fixed the field, the way they got the signage up, how they've handled it. I mean, this is where it belongs. It should be here forever. Other teams, other cities have made bids for it, but I think uh, money's money's important, but at the same time, Hoover is where it's supposed to be. In fact, the first time before Hoover, it was in Columbus, Georgia, 
and uh, we were on the road with USA Baseball, me and Skip Bertman, all over the country. We made one uh, tour to Columbus, Georgia, and they told us that's where the SEC tournament was going to be that next year. And We looked around. We said, it doesn't have enough seats. There was one groundskeeper there. <laughs> field was not in great shape. And we said, whoa, and well, we went over there. We played in the tournament, and it was not very well run. So we knew this wasn't the place. We were in the Superdome for a couple of years, but as you say, we used to host a lot of SEC tournaments because we generally, for the most part, won the West, and we had good draws, good crowds, and we uh, we hosted a lot of SEC West and then also SEC tournaments at host sites, which is fine, but it's definitely a home field event. This, this offers no home field events. I don't care if you say Alabama or Auburn has an edge because it's close to their place, but it's close to Mississippi State too. So it's a it's an area geographically all all the schools can get to with ease, in and out with the airport, et cetera. So, uh, but they got it down good. They, they got it down to the point where the kids enjoy it, the coaches enjoy it, the fans enjoy it, even though it's hot most of the time, but it's going to be hot in Columbus, Georgia. It wasn't hot in the Superdome. It had air conditioning. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be hot, which fans expect, and they dress appropriately. But, no, the Hoover is SEC baseball. We went to the Superdome one time in football. And Coach Cheryl, we were playing Tulane down there. I think it was in 2003. And he had the managers go out with a wind gauge. He said that the air conditioning was moving the ball around. <laughs> so, All I know is it was not suited for baseball. We had temporary dugouts, and left field line was like 270, and then it shot out to like 600 feet in center field. <laughs> I mean, it was a football configuration, but uh, we were kind of desperate then to find a place that, uh, you know, we could draw a crowd and comfortable. It was very comfortable, but – we knew after a couple I – mean, I think we were there maybe two years. I'm not sure. Maybe just one. I don't know. But they bounced around a while, but they, they found it right with Hoover. Different coaches have different philosophies, it seems, with conference tournaments. I remember Rod Delmonico with Tennessee. They came down here. They had Chris Burke and all those guys, and they were so good. And it was almost like – it's not like they threw the games, but it was there was no emphasis at all. It was almost like, hey, let's get rested up for the NCAA tournament – what was your thought process going into SEC play? You know the, the old adage of we want to be peaking at the right time, but you don't want to come over here and just just lay an egg, do you? Uh, you look at South Carolina. South Carolina's had probably the least success in this tournament. When when Ray Tanner was winning a couple national titles, they went zero and two one time here and won the national title. And so everybody does treat it different. I think the players get pumped up because of the crowds and <clears throat> excitement of, of playing in an SEC tournament. But uh, I still remember down the Dome, championship game, Florida, playing I can't remember who. And they started their center field. that hadn't been on the mound all year because they wanted to save the pitching for the next regional, which is NCAA. And I think the commissioner then was Roy Kramer, and he just couldn't comprehend why they got a center fielder pitching in the championship game. And we tried <laughs> to explain because Roy was a football guy. <laughs> well, you know, this tournament's important. I know you're the commissioner of the SEC, but the next one is more important. So, uh, you know, the lay egg, it's going to happen if you don't uh, pitch your best guys or the guys say, hey, we're hosting. What What is this all about? Well, it's an SEC tournament. And uh, I think they respect it, but at the same time, you have to understand that uh, there's more and better things to come down the line uh, if you are already solidly in the picture for an NCAA regional. So this team, you know, two weeks ago we played against Missouri and did not play well at all. Last week we go to Alabama, perform well, sweep Alabama, and then, you know, you come to Hoover, 
didn't play well in game one. Trying to get this team going in the right direction. And, you know, what are your thoughts on you know, what has to happen for Mississippi State to make a deep run when you get to regional play and then the super regional play? Well, again, the highest seed. I mean, the, the way it's set up now, you, you more you win, the higher your seed. That's really important at the next level. And, I, you know, yeah, you don't like to come into the tournament like this uh, not playing well. We were playing well at Alabama, not at, with Missouri. I mean, it was just one of those – Weekends, and I tell people like the New York Yankees might be winning their their division in in professional baseball, and they go to Toronto and lose two out of three. And you know, Joe Fan will say, "Oh, it's over." You know, uh, why? I mean, they just lost two out of three. Well, it's baseball. You know, a lot depends on how well the pitches were. Missouri pitched us well; they hit well; they outplayed us. In fact, they could have swept us. The first game wasn't a gimme for us at all. And uh, but it happened. And then you just say, "Well." Are we going to panic at all? Well, no, you just go on with it. We've got a good record. We've got a good ball club. We've got a good pitching staff. Mississippi State's got a lot of available arms, and we got a chance. But uh, you just can't say, hey, uh, this is the end because we lost to Missouri. Because in baseball, you play a lot of games. In football, you only play 12. Every game is so important. In baseball, we played 56 regular season games. But now it's getting to the point these games are even more important than the regular season. The regular season got you to the SEC tournament, got you a potential host side, got you an NCAA regional. The next time up after this tournament, uh, we got to be ready because it's uh, all the marbles are ahead of us. You just used that term, that's baseball. Where did you hear that? Where did you come up with that? Did, I don't, did, did, I don't is, was, think, was that a situation you no, heard your dad, your, your coach, no, or whatever, no. or just, just or, kind of flow out? Where, where did that originate from, that's baseball? Well, you know, the ball bounces in strange ways. I mean, if we played the Yankees a two-inning game, we're going to have a chance to win. You know, but you play longer, you play them 18 innings, you have no chance. They're just that much better. But, you know, in baseball, you know, you can hit line drive after line drive after line drive. I mean, how many times have I been coaching and, and I got a pitcher out there, he's giving up blue pip after blue pip after blue pip. He's pitching well, and the fans are all over me to take him out. And the next guy, next game, this guy's giving up line drive after line drive and being caught, and he walks off the mound to a standing ovation. Well, I mean, that makes any sense to me as a baseball guy, 55 years coaching college baseball, and all the times I was with the USA and Cape Cod. I mean, you know, it's just a, there's some luck involved in baseball. The ball will go and find sometimes find the wrong person at the wrong time. You mentioned the Cape, and Charlie and I talk about the Cape all the time and about summer league baseball and about how you may not see as clean a play this year because you didn't have summer ball last year because a lot of times you can send a guy to the Cape or to summer ball and say, hey, just work on this pitch. There was really no development in the summer of last year. So many people thought that coming into this year because teams were so deep, it was going to be the best brand of baseball that we've ever seen. But it's almost like sometimes we've seen some lacking. And do you attribute that at all to the lack of summer ball last year? Well, most of the most of the, when we had to cancel the summer league, mainly because of host families. You know, there's 300 kids up there, the very best freshmen and sophomores in the country. And I think the kids wanted to play, and the coaches wanted to coach, and umpires wanted to umpire. But when you don't have the host families open up their homes. There's not a single one of those 300 kids that would be up there that lives in the Cape. So they have to come in from all areas. And so there was some summer leagues that popped up. I was with one in Meridian, Mississippi, honor the game with Eric DeBose. And he made me the honorary coach of the 
one one of the teams, and and I, I didn't get to coach every game because I of my availability. But there was some place to play if you wanted to. But I think the kids got back on track, and uh, I think the brand of baseball, mainly the, the biggest thing I've seen is the roster numbers. I mean, it's just unbelievable when you look at a roster like Arkansas when they came in had listed 31 pitchers. Well. I mean, I always had eight or nine or ten pitchers, and uh, you can't keep 31 pitchers going. And we had 20, I think we've had 24 pitching inning, and uh, that's the biggest change because of the virus. It's all going to come back because the unlimited roster will go to 40 in baseball next year, then 30 back to what it was before, which is probably not enough, 35. But uh, it'll all come back. And but right now, you know, watching these games yesterday, I thought the play was outstanding. Looking ahead to regional play, super regional play, and one of the things we've said about this team is the strength of the bullpen and the number of guys. So let me ask this question. When you get into postseason play, as we're about to get into regional and super regional play, and you think that that kind of shifts the power to teams like us and Arkansas, but what about how tough is it to go out there and be sharp when you don't have as many guys and enough innings. We had a lot of rainouts and midweek games here over the last month. Is it more of a concern now because you have a guys that you know you're going to have to rely on who have not gotten time on the mound? Well, that's a, that's the biggest problem that I think Mississippi State, Mississippi State has and others that have so many pitches and sometimes you have to bring a guy in in a ball game that's only been on the mound maybe five or six times. They hadn't pitched in three weeks. Nothing's any better than pitching a game situation. You can go bullpen after bullpen, even put hitters at the plate. It's nothing like being on the field. And so if you struggle in the mound and in, the, in a, in a top-level competition and you bring in guys because you've got a lot of guys, but bring in someone who hasn't been on the mound for three or four weeks and expect excellence, you might get it, but then again, maybe you might not. And so it's uh, – but I think we're set up in good shape with, you know, with Will and – and Christian, and uh, you know we have others that have tried to fill that role and and have not done as well as as uh, Christian and Will. But we got two starters that can keep us in the ball game at least get seven or eight hopeful innings, so we don't have to go. But we got the closer of the year and Landon Sims and other guys that have good arms. It's just a matter when we go with the other guys with good arms, Bart. Many of them haven't pitched as much as they normally would pitch in any season when you only had 10, 11 pitches on the roster. Hey, yesterday. I saw you looking at the stats monitor. You know, that's that's step one to getting you no, an iPhone. I never used the stat monitor before. I had to tur- find out how to turn it on. <laughs> but then I got to figure out how to expand it and how to close it a little bit. I didn't know how to refresh it. And I'm looking at this thing and said, whoa, this is a little bit above my pay grade. But uh, after looking at it a while, I said, this is pretty good stuff. And so I was looking at it, mesmerized by all the information on this computer. I didn't have to punch in any numbers. I didn't have to bang any letters at all. I just uh, hit the refresher anytime I needed, and, and it had all the information I needed. It's amazing what has happened I'm from the old school. I'm not going to accept it ever. I do what I do, and I'm pretty good at it. And uh, but at the same time, uh, I think that's pretty piece good. Pretty probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen of of what we call modern technology. Uh, hey, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Bart. That's Coach Ron Polk. Charlie now have a word when we come back. And that conversation, of course, brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made here right in the state of Mississippi, something that you can be proud of, a great Mississippi product. 
down in Florence, Mississippi on Highway 49 at Country Meat Packers. So you can pick up that great country-pleasing sausage at your local grocer throughout the southeast. Back with a final word, you're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Man, welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory here in Hoover. Charlie Winfield back at the studios in Startville. Charlie, I hate we couldn't get everything hooked up for you to join uh, Coach Ron Polk and myself, and we were talking about just different things about baseball. But first, before we talk about Ron Polk, man, how about that conversation with James Spann? Man, that was really cool. It's interesting to me, a guy just, who has all that success over in Alabama, they kind of claim him as their own, but here he's still a bulldog, keeps up with baseball. And we were talking off the air. He wasn't too impressed by our performance yesterday. We got to talk about that a little bit. So that was, uh, I enjoyed that. Oh, no doubt. And then coach Polk, you know, he's talking about just trying to get teams ready to play, playing in Hoover about this tournament coming back and, being a part of the Hoover community. Do you agree with Coach Polk? You disagree? Do you like the tournament in Hoover, or would you like to see it moved around? I I guess I could go either way. I like the fact that Hoover is close. I like the fact that, as has been documented, parking is certainly very good at that venue. I'm just kind of a guy who likes to see some different places, though. So I wouldn't mind moving around a little bit, although I certainly understand keeping it where it is. I like it. I like it over here. It's it's easy. Of course, I'm staying at you know in laws, so it's it's easy for me. I can bring the kids over. I got the built in babysitter. That's that's what's phenomenal for me. Okay, Charlie. Looking forward to next week. It's not long now. We're going to find out on Monday of where you play. Of course, we know where we're going to play next week. That's the good thing. But at the end of the day, you're in that time of year where hey, you need to start using some guys leaning on some guys, and, and hopefully this team can can start playing some really, really good baseball here in the next couple of weeks. I guess in my head I'm trying to decide how much the SEC tournament matters to that. I don't think historically it should matter. It'll be kind of interesting to me to see how Florida uses this week, though. We talked about Florida. We have this habit of focusing on the one or two, three teams at the top of the league, but you go back to – 2013, for example, when we made our run, we didn't have a great conference season. We had a pretty good conference season, but we started playing better, started playing better. I'm going to be interested to see. Is Florida that team that finally lives up to all the hype? Can Mississippi State rebound from some uneven performances here on the backside of the year? And I guess we're also going to find out, is the SEC everything it's been cracked up to be? Because It's been a long time since we went to Texas and dominated the Big 12. Who knows if they've gotten better? Maybe we have. Yeah, that's the big thing. You kind of wonder what Tennessee's going to do. They've been in the top five. It's kind of uncharted territory for for Tennessee right now. And so you wonder how they're going to perform. You wonder about Arkansas. I mean, they've had some injuries kind of crop up here over the last couple of weeks. You wonder if they're going to have, you know, the horsey. they got a good bullpen. Ron Polk talked about that a moment ago, about how the bullpens of State and then Arkansas are teams that can make noise here late in the season. But you mentioned Florida, but like you said, Charlie, I think we're going to find out real quick just how good the SEC has been this year. And it's just about here, and I guess 
ready or not, it's on top of us. Yep, no doubt. Hey, enjoyed it. I kind of hate we weren't together, but, uh, hey, good show today. Talking with uh, Ron Polk and James Spann, weatherman from here in Birmingham, a Mississippi State graduate in the meteorology department. Hey, before we go, thinking about meteorology and the weather in baseball, Mike Brown and Rennie Vandeway, of course, Rennie's now in Oklahoma, but those guys do such an unbelievable job when they hook up with our baseball program, just kind of letting us know of when we can play games and just trying to find a three- or four-hour window to play games. It's amazing kind of what goes on behind the scenes that nobody ever sees and how much you rely on guys like Mike Brown and Rennie Vandeway. How many times over the past few years have we adjusted a game time to make a weather window and then we leave and say, boy, I'm glad they moved that? Those guys are phenomenal they they have saved games for mississippi state when we wanted them saved and that's been it's been a huge benefit to us really has enjoyed it as always thanks to our great sponsors country pleasing sausage heartland catfish and of course we're presented by farm bureau farm bureau go with the home team check them out at favorites.com look for all your agents in your local communities and uh, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory saying so long. Appreciate you guys listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau.